morning, we're up to Exodus chapter 19. In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that same day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. When they had departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai, they encamped in the wilderness, and there Israel encamped before the mountain. Moses went up to God, and Yahweh called to him out of the mountain, saying, This is what you shall tell the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession from among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Moses came and called for the elders of the people and set before them all these words which Yahweh commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that Yahweh has spoken, we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to Yahweh. Yahweh said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. Moses told the words of the people to Yahweh. Yahweh said to Moses, Go to the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments. And be ready for the third day, for on the third day Yahweh will come down in the sight of all the people on Mount Sinai. You shall set bounds to the people all around, saying, Be careful that you don't go up onto the mountain or touch its border. Whoever touches the mountain shall be surely put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it is animal or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come up to the mountain." Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes. He said to the people, be ready by the third day. Don't have sexual relations with a woman. On the third day when it was morning, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of an exceedingly loud trumpet. And all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses led the people out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the lower part of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai smoked, because Yahweh descended on it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by a voice. Yahweh came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, Yahweh called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Yahweh said to Moses, Go down, warn the people, lest they break through to Yahweh to gaze, and many of them perish. Let the priests also who come near to Yahweh sanctify themselves, lest Yahweh break out on them. Moses said to Yahweh, The people can't come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and sanctify it. Yahweh said to him, Go down, you shall bring Aaron up with you, but don't let the priests and the people break through to come up to Yahweh, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. So we're finally back to Mount Sinai, 
the place where Moses started this whole journey from with the burning bush. And um, there's a few theories about where Mount Sinai is. The most popular, of course, is the location of where St. Catherine's Monastery is today. And millions of tourists go there. St. Catherine's is located in the Sinai Peninsula in the, in the country of Egypt. And it's way out in the desert. And um, it's a popular spot. There's a monastery. There's a library in the monastery. There's very old parts of the Bible, like the Sinai Codex. And... Um, very, they've even believed they have the original burning bush there. It's all very interesting. And of course, uh, some famous monk, and I've forgotten his name, he put steps all the way up Mount Sinai. So now you, when you climb Mount Sinai, I think there's something like 2,000 steps. It's, um, it's easier. <laughs> some people in the Middle Ages used to pray their whole way up on their knees, all the way up to the top. And of course, there's camels. You can hop on a camel and go to the top and... And apparently that is hard coming down because the camels wobble like this and it's hard to stay on. But you can do it and it's you don't have to do the walking. But there's also another theory that Mount Sinai is in Arabia and it's based off some various things, uh, at least one thing that, that, um, that Paul said in Book of Galatians about uh, Mount Sinai being in Arabia. So uh, there's lots of theories about, you know, does, does Arabia just mean all the desert or just mean that specific desert? There's different theories. Um, I'm personally not that worried about where Mount Sinai is, but the Mount Sinai in Arabia has got some proto-Hebrew inscriptions. They found tablets of things there or they found like carved into rocks, what looks like ancient Hebrew. So that's an interesting little thought that maybe that's where the real Mount Sinai was. Either way, it doesn't really matter. The point is that they've come to the holy mountain, and holy just means mountain that belongs to God or the mountain that's set apart for God. And this is where God's going to make a covenant with them. And over the chapters that we're going that are going to follow, we're going to see how that works out. And when we get to chapter 24, there's going to be the actual moment of the covenant. And that's going to be interesting. And God tells them in here that he wants them to be a holy nation and a royal priesthood. Because so there's that word holy again. And um, a lot of Christians think holy just means, you know, being well behaved. So, oh, he's a holy Christian. You know, in other words, he's like a good Christian. But that's not what holy means. What holy means is that something belongs to God. And we just talked about Sinai as a holy mountain. Elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about things like the tithe being holy or the Sabbath day being holy or marriage being holy, the marriage bed being holy. Um, it, it just means that all these things, they belong to God. They're devoted to him. In other words, you give it to God, like the Sabbath. It's a day that you take and set aside and say, this is the Lord's day. As Christians, we actually call it the Lord's day and we have it on Sunday now. So it's a day that belongs to God. And then on that day, or with that thing that belongs to God, you do things in the manner prescribed by God. So with marriage, for example, marriage is holy. So with marriage, you don't commit adultery. You don't show um, undue affection outside of your marriage. You keep your marriage bed holy. And these are some of the things that God declared for marriage. And one of the reasons, these are some of the reasons why marriage is holy. So God wants a holy nation. He wants this whole country to be his, devoted. And he said that they're a royal priesthood. They're a kingdom of priests. That's interesting. You might remember that there were all these the 12 tribes and one of the tribes was called the Levites. That was a tribe of priests. 
and that tribe of priests was supposed to serve this whole nation. They were supposed to serve the other 12 tribes um, by making sacrifices for them and in that manner. So there's a tribe of priests, but now God is saying he wants them to be a kingdom of priests. In other words, this whole nation is supposed to serve somebody. They're actually supposed to serve the world. They're supposed to serve all the other nations on earth, and they're supposed to do that by demonstrating the type of nation that God wants. In other words, they're supposed to be different to everyone else, and in doing that, they're being priests by demonstrating what, what God wants. They didn't do a very good job of it, unfortunately. But the idea continues all the way through the Bible into the New Testament where we're told as Christians that we are a kingdom of priests. So God's still doing it. As Christians, we're supposed to demonstrate what it's like to follow God so that the world can see us. And it's, one of the things I find interesting is how when God would tell the children of Israel something, they wouldn't do it, they wouldn't obey, and yet God still manages to fulfill his purposes even though they disobey. It's amazing. So even though there's a whole history of disobedience in Israel, we still got the gospel and we still got Jesus and we still learned all the lessons and it's incredible. And uh, that's what God is like. So we get to this part here in this passage, chapter 19 of Exodus, where the, you know, Moses is telling them what God said and they say to God, we will do everything you have told us. And uh, if you know your history, you know that they don't. <laughs> it literally doesn't last more than one chapter. You wait till the very next chapter and we'll point that out. It only lasts one chapter, but they say they're going to do everything that God says. And it reminds me so much of a parable in the New Testament. Jesus told a parable of two sons. And a father said to these two sons that he wanted them to come and work for him in the field. And one son said, yes, I'll come and work for you. But then he just, he didn't. He just, he either didn't feel like it or he was lazy or he changed his mind. He didn't. The other son said, no, he wouldn't work for him. But then he ended up going and working for his father. And these two sons are like the Jews and the Gentiles. You know, on one hand, the Jews, they said to God, yes, we will do everything you have said to us. But they didn't. But on the other hand, you had all the nations out there that didn't, well, they didn't know the Lord for starters, and they didn't want to follow the God. They showed no interest in the Lord. But now, since Christ, they're turning to him, and they are following him. Obviously, not perfectly, and it's a process. But ultimately, it's going to lead, of course, to Jews and Gentiles both following the Lord, and that's great. So I guess we're going to finish this chapter 19 by asking you the question, which of the two sons are you? doesn't matter if you're female. Are you the one that says yes to God, but doesn't do? Or are you the one that says no to God, but does? Well, I hope you're the son that says yes to God and does do. He wasn't one of the two options, but let's take a, a pick of the two, mix that one up, and let's be him. Let's be the one that says yes to God. And for me, I do say yes to God, but I also know that I, am a fa I fail so often. I'm like the son that says yes and doesn't do. So when I say yes to God, I always say, Lord, help me, because I can't follow you. I can't obey you uh, without your help. So that's our prayer. Lord, I ask that we would be the son that says yes, but then help us to obey you. Help us to, to follow you. Help us not to turn our back and not do what we said. Give us this grace, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.